Anyway, since we seem to be out of witnesses, I thought I'd drink a little. And we're recording. Afternoon, Tyler. Afternoon, Rob. How you doing? Good. We're in the same office uh, again today. Um, I was going to be at home, but I forgot my uh, computer camera. Oh, right, yeah. Well, we're in the same building. Not the same office, but yeah. Office building. Yeah, it's not like he's right there. He's... No, it's quite a ways away. Back. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've made it through a week. Uh, I understand you had uh, kind of a frustrating morning with uh, Justice Miller. Oh, it was great. <laughs> you lie. Uh, well, but you, are, but you are going to the Court of Appeal, I understand. Well, I need to seek some instruction from my client as to whether or not we need to go to court, whether or not they want to. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, we definitely, yeah, we definitely, you know, I think some court of appeal case law was ignored and, uh, and that's problematic. I think that there was, uh, I think that the pro due process was not adhered to and that's problematic. And you know what, that's what the court of, of appeal is for. So exactly. This is not yeah. a personal, uh, I like justice Miller personally. Oh yeah. And he's a fine judge. Um, but we believe from what you've told me, you believe, and from what you've told me, I believe that he made, uh, an error. And that's why we have the Court of Appeals. So uh, good luck oh. with that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. And if Justice Miller happens to watch this podcast. <laughs> if he really happens to watch the podcast, here we are. Working together to get some justice. <laughs> Make decisions we like, or we're going to come in the podcast, and we're going to be critical, and I'm sure that will break your heart. You'll have difficulty sleeping at night. Um, so, uh, what I thought we would talk about, we talked about this earlier, oddly enough, um, is how to not give any money to the lawyers in principle, yeah. which is odd. We're going to spend a couple of our billable hours today. Uh, we talked about this in another 30 minutes today yeah. to basically tell people how not to give us money. Why would we do that? Because it's not all about how much money we make. It's about helping people. I think most lawyers, most lawyers, not all, but most lawyers have some social conscience and we have been fortunate that we have a busy office yeah. and we do not lack for business. And so if we can help people that otherwise couldn't afford a lawyer, um, why not? What's wrong with that? Yeah, I think that's great. Let's do that. And so uh, both of us are trained mediators um, and we've learned a few things about helping people come to an agreement. And uh, what we thought is we could have some discussion about the issue specifically of division of assets, um, provide people some ideas in how to deal with negotiating asset division in a way that might prevent their need uh, to hire someone like you or I. Good. Yeah, let's do it. That's cool. Cool. So, um, maybe just some background. So whether you're married or unmarried, if you've been in a relationship of some duration, 
you may come to a point where you can't exactly agree easily on how you're going to divide your goods. Yeah. Um, some people do. Some people have no problem. I'll keep what's in my bank account, you keep what's in yours, and there wasn't a massive commingling, and they agree to sell the house and split it 50-50. Great. But if the situation is a little more complex and agreement is not quite so easy, we are going to hopefully discuss some things that will help people lead to an agreement without the need of lawyers going to court. Uh, and see where that goes. And then ultimately, the idea is we might uh, post uh, a guideline or a, a cheat sheet, if you will, on our website, um, along with our podcast. Uh, maybe, I don't know if I can do that on YouTube. I'll probably provide a link on YouTube so that people could actually uh, download and print this thing and might give them a hand. So, um, so why don't I let you start? So you're doing mediation and people come to you and they say, Tyler, uh, we need to come to an agreement of how to divide all of our worldly possessions. And you're at meeting number one. What do you do? How do you proceed? So the first thing we want to do is kind of lay out some uh, maybe ground rules or uh, at least decide why we're doing what we're doing. And so I always kind of read the clients this, or the, the clients this little riot act about this is your chance to settle things uh, on your own uh, without two big problems occurring. One, paying lawyers a ton of money to fight each other. And two, having a judge impose their will upon you when they don't know you and they don't know your assets and they don't know your history and your circumstances the way that you two do. And so that's the way I start. And so clients kind of have this basis. And I like to know why they're there, but most of the time the clients have this basis that they think either the lawyers told them to come here or a judge told them to come here or uh, they decided they want to try it on their own. And they have this understanding, oh, that they're going to save some money or they're going to get a more personalized outcome if they can decide on it themselves. So that's the first thing. That's, that's crucial that we talk about and cover. Okay, so if you're talking to somebody not in the mediation context, but perhaps a client or a friend, and they were saying, well, so what do I do with my husband or my wife or my partner um, to engage that, what you've just said? How do I explain to them? or How do I set the table at the start of a meeting uh, so that we can be effective? Uh, if the question is kind of, well, how am I going to sell the process to the other person? The selling features are just what I said. You're going to save money. You're going to keep the money between the two of you instead of giving it to lawyers to fight about. Mm -hmm. And you're going to hopefully get a more personalized outcome than you would if you were to go to court. Okay. So, so they, so one person or the other, and perhaps they both acknowledge that it is their desire to, to work this out. Um, and, 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 and I share the same thoughts and I do the same things in mediation. And sometimes it feels kind of like it's, uh, I don't know, trite or, or goes without saying. But I think articulating those things are very helpful. And I would even write them down on a piece of paper or on a computer screen if you've got a laptop with you. Because sometimes I think it's helpful to be able to look back to well, why are we here? Well, because we want to, we want to make an agreement, not have someone else make one for us, and we'd rather not spend a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, now the other thing I'll do usually 
and I do exactly what you said. The other thing I would usually do is I try to normalize disagreement. Sure. Which sounds antithetical sometimes in mediation, you know, because people say, well, the whole point of coming here is so we don't argue. And I say, yes, argument is not helpful. Disagreement, though, is completely normal. And in fact, it's expected, right? In any relationship, I don't care how good it is, if you had to deal with a complex discussion of, of how to do something, two reasonable people are likely to have differences of opinion from time to time. And so what I say in mediation is it's okay to disagree. You just need to do it respectfully and constructively. So I think even if you don't have a mediation per se, but you're meeting with your partner, you should say, um, it's okay for us to disagree. And as we get into this, we'll talk about maybe more specifically what that means, but it's okay to disagree. But when we disagree, let's not make it personal. Let's yeah. simply indicate, I'm afraid I don't agree with that. And we can make a note of that. We'll talk about how to do that in a bit. Yeah. So the people know, um, I'm not saying you're stupid or that you're dishonest. I just disagree with you. And you don't need to give the reasons. I'm, I'm afraid to disagree with that. That can be very respectful, but still accomplishes the end, which is I'm not willing to, to agree to this number or this issue. And that's especially, uh, well, it's important and, and uh, it can be done in a very particular way, especially when you're dealing with the issue we're talking about today, which is property. So yeah, good, good. Okay. So is there anything else? So just setting the table, we've, We've talked about, we don't want to spend too much money. We want to make our own deal. It's okay to disagree, but we should be respectful. Is there anything else when you're setting the table that you think people should, should articulate or note? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I, you know, I, I think that as long as I, I, I like to set the table, we're wrong and be polite. We're not going to talk over each other, uh, things like that. And especially when we're doing it, uh, and this is the way I've done most of mine electronically on, on Zoom like this, uh, that you know, we're not going to talk over each other and use matters and things like that. Uh, and then sometimes, and I like to tell clients this up front, uh, what we'll do is sometimes we'll worry about this thing that happened in the past, we'll be mad about this thing that happened in the past, we'll get caught up fighting about this thing that happened in the past, and in reality, that doesn't help us in the future. It doesn't have to settle what's going to happen. So uh, I'll redirect clients often and I'll tell them this up front that this is what's going to happen. If we're caught up in something in the past, I'm going to suggest that we talk about, well, what do we need to see going forward? Or what are we going to, what are we willing to do in the future? And so to refocus issues about what's happened in the past and history, why someone might be right or wrong or whatever, uh, isn't always useful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Um, and I think that, that what you just said is the cause of most uh, people not being able to reasonably negotiate difficult issues. Yeah. Because they, they, they come to each other juggling seven or eight different balls of things. And some of those are issues. We need to deal with our parenting. That's a ball. And we need to deal with, with support. There's another ball, you know. Um, so they're real issues, they're not pretend, but then there's other issues that aren't part of an agreement per se. They're, you treated me badly when we were together and you were physically abusive and you slept with my sister and so forth, right? So they got these balls and we're trying to negotiate property and somebody keeps 
pulling a ball out and throwing it at the other person saying, you know, you snore every night for the last 30 years. Uh, so I think what your point is, is awesome, which is really, we agree that we're only going to deal today with property. That doesn't mean that we can't have discussions about other issues beyond this, but we need to focus because to be effective, we're not going to decide property if every other sentence is meandering off into some other issue, either that we may need to work out or an issue that we're never going to work out, which is whose fault is it that we're breaking up? Right. And why didn't you acknowledge my birthday and whatever, yeah. focus. So again, I think two people that are entering into this discussion, we're going to create some ground rules. One of those ground rules is we're only going to talk about property today, right? Which isn't diminishing the reality of any other past or future problems, yeah. but we need to be focused mm -hmm. if we're going to tackle this difficult issue. Yeah. And if one of you starts meandering off, I think it's fair for the other person to politely say, I think we're getting off point. Yeah. And, and you should expect that to come back to you. Right. Uh, so I think, uh, so I appreciate your comments. And I think I agree that, that, that you should set the table and that will then lead to a greater chance of success as you then start going down the road of the actual discussion. Yeah. And the reason we're telling you about our mediation experience is because, uh, this is the process that we're going to describe to you that you can use uh, to avoid paying lawyers in order to resolve property disputes. So that's why we're doing it. Cool. Um, and, and we talked about earlier, and, and so I think you're right. We, we, we create those ground rules. Um, and and the, uh, the process that I like to articulate to people, and I think it's worthwhile for people negotiating themselves, is uh, the agreement of everything can seem really daunting, but the reality is uh, a full agreement really is an amalgamation of numerous agreements. And the more things you can agree on, the closer you get to final resolution. And you also build a certain degree of trust that probably has been lost in the breakdown of your relationship. Right. And so uh, I like to talk about when I do mediation. And I think it's worthwhile for people to actually make notes of these things when they come to an agreement. So um, agreement number one, I'm going to lead into this. Um, even though mediation, strictly speaking, we shouldn't tell clients what they should agree on. Um, sometimes the first thing I'll say to clients is, which one of you would rather give your money to your lawyer than to have in your own pocket? And I have yet to find anybody in mediation that goes, yeah, I really would rather you have my money than I use it for my own benefit or the benefit of my children. Yeah. And so again, it seems trite, but what I would recommend people do in negotiation, um, start with agreement number one, and I colloquially put it, screw the lawyers. The common foe is horrendous legal fees and time spent in a lawyer's office. As much as we're a lovely couple people and our peers are also lovely. Um, I think people should maybe make a note. We agree that we don't want to give the money to a couple lawyers. Now, I suppose the world's full of all sorts of people and maybe somebody at some point says, well, I'd rather give my money to a lawyer, in which case, why don't you just stop negotiating right now and leave and just throw buckets of money at your friendly lawyer 
we'll take it. No I mean, problem. I'm not proud. I don't need it. I'm doing <laughs> fine, but I'll take it. So I think uh, it, it's worthwhile. And, and, and they'd actually have either a laptop or a pen and paper, write down, screw the lawyers, save money on legal fees, whatever you want to say, agreement number one. Do you talk to people in mediation about that point or saying we've, oh, yeah. we've come to agreement initially that we'd rather avoid spending money on legal fees if we can help it? Yeah, I do. And you know what it does? I mean, it does a few things. A, it gets them focused on we have this common goal. We can work together on that. But it also uh, empowers them a little bit that they've made this, and it might seem trite, but they've made this one agreement already. And it empowers them uh, to make the next decision for the, the next agreement. And that is, it seems trite, maybe it seems silly, but it actually is powerful. It makes a difference. Every time you get one little agreement to the next, to the next, and it gets bigger and bigger, you know, uh, it makes it, it empowers them. It's really useful. Like a snowball going down a mountain. Yeah. Gross. So, so then where do you go? So they've agreed, they're gonna save money, they're not gonna give it to the blood sucking lawyers. Now, what's the first step when you're mediating property division or what would you recommend people do who are trying to work on property division directly with their partner? Sure, so property division, the first thing we're gonna start with is identify the property. Let's know what's on the table. And so how do you explain that? So what I do is I say, uh, you know, it might seem silly that we're trying to identify what the property is, uh, but sometimes there are disagreements about it, sometimes there aren't. Uh, but we need to know what is there to divvy up. And so I'll usually start with one party or the other, and I do it arbitrarily. Uh, and I have a silly little system. I do it very arbitrarily. And so go from one party to the other, depending on which mediation it did last. Um, and uh, yeah, and so, and so I'll say, tell me, what's, what's the list? And they'll start telling me, and I'll start writing it down. And I'll make it clear that the other person's gonna have a chance to add their comments about whether these are, whether they exist, don't exist, whatever, but we need to first figure out what it is. So the first person will get a chance, then the next person come back with some input and say, yeah, you know what, this thing doesn't exist anymore, or it does exist, uh, or uh, we've forgotten something that, that exists. And so we'll put everything on that list that both of them say, and if they have a disagreement about whether that property is still in existence or still up for grabs or whatever, we just put a little asterisk beside it. Something that we're going to come back to and talk about. Okay. So, um, so to get it started, you've got this kind of arbitrary kind of system. You got two people. It doesn't really matter who starts because they're both going to be able to add to that list if they want. Is your point? Yeah, and I'm not like a decision maker. It's not, it doesn't matter who I'm first or what we talk, who talks first. It's, it's arbitrary, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So one person could say to the other person, this would be healthy for a discussion. Why don't you start? Why don't you make a list of all the things that you think are assets of our relationship? And then once you're done, then, then I'll comment whether I think there's anything missing. Or they could flip a coin. Yeah. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't matter. Now, what if, how do you deal with, because I've dealt with this. So the first thing the person says is, well, the assets, uh, we have a house worth uh, $1.3 million. And the other person immediately goes, are you out of your mind? You know, it's only worth 900,000. You're such a liar. 
how do you diffuse that right out of the yeah, gate? Yeah, well, you know what? I've jumped ahead of myself maybe a little bit. What I'll do is I'll explain the process uh, first. And so the first step is going to be identifying. It's not to evaluate, it's to identify. And so I'll explain that to the client. So our first step is going to be, well, let's identify what it is. And after we identify what they are, we can talk about values, uh, figure out what we think they're worth, try and get an agreement on that, or an agreement as to how we determine that. And once that step's done, well, then we can talk about uh, how we're going to divide it up. And so, and, and I'm a little more aggressive. Oh, okay, sure. Well, how does she go? I don't want to know about value. That's that's the next step. And if we talk about value, it's going to it's going to lead us down a tangent. So what you're telling me is you have a house. What's the address of this house? Let me give the address. Yeah. We will eventually get into value discussions, but that's not for now. And, and, and then hopefully they don't do that again as they, they now get the idea, okay, I'm just talking about numbers or, yeah. or about Identify. descriptions. Huh? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then they've gone through it and you've indicated um, there may be disagreement. Well, we don't own that anymore, or I don't own that. That's my father's or so on and so forth. Um, what I'll do is what, while they're making the agreement, I'll tell the second person to basically do nothing. Just listen. And we'll end up with this list. We'll put it on a spreadsheet though. Yep. Right. And then I'll say, okay, now it's your turn. And I want you to do two things. I want you number one to tell me, is there anything that they've missed? Right. And usually there's not a lot, but there might be one or two things. And they say, well, they didn't include their pension. Okay, fair enough. You know, teacher's retirement fund pension. Or, you know, the uh, inheritance they have coming from their mother. Okay, uh, I'm going to put that down. That might be a little problematic, but I'm going to write it down anyway, right? Anything else? No. Okay. So from your perspective, person number two, this is now a complete list of all the things that are or might be assets. Yes. Okay. Well, now we have an agreement number two. We've agreed on the list of assets. Good for you guys. That's fantastic. And then what I'll do is I'll say to them, are there anything, are there any assets in that list that you think shouldn't be in that list? Yeah. We're not gonna remove them, but I'm gonna make, like you said, little asterisks beside things that you think maybe shouldn't be considered. And they'll go, well, yeah, you know, the Ottoman was a gift to me from my dad. Okay, but it's, it's an asset, but you just question whether it's divisible. Yes, okay, well, I'm gonna put an asterisk there. And then I'll go back to person number one, and I'll say, of the things that, that he or she added, are there any of those things that you think shouldn't be on the list for some reason? And if there is or isn't, again, a little question mark, a little asterisk. Okay, now we have agreement number 2.1, which is we have the assets and we have an acknowledgement of what assets might be an issue. And there we go. It's a good start. Write it down. Make the list. Right? And then they can look at it and say, oh, okay, it's not as daunting as we were thinking because... We agree on all the things we need to divide. We're just not sure about one or two things. So step next, what do we do? What's your 
And, and you know what I love is I did mediation training 20 some years ago, maybe yeah. 30. Yeah. Uh, probably 30 actually. And the way you're telling me you do it is almost exactly the way I do it. We Which, may have had the same trainer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we probably did. We probably did. Larry Fong and uh, Pat Bloxon. Uh, I think Pat had something to do with some of the materials. I don't think I met her, but Larry. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so where do you go? We've got a list of all the stuff that we think we have. We've got some asterisks kicking around. Yep. Now what are we going to do? I move on to valuation. Let's, let's talk about how much these things are worth. Okay. And yeah. So how do you approach the valuation discussion? Uh, what I like to do is ask them, and I'll just ask one of the parties, and I'll address them specifically, Mr. or Mrs. or whoever. Uh, do the two of you have any agreements as to what these things are worth? Because sometimes that's sitting right there, and I don't want to waste everyone's time. And so if they have, if, if you know, they say, yeah, we agree that all of these assets are worth X, and here's the ones we disagree about, well, then I can look at the other party and say, okay, is that right? Do we agree on the value of these things? And if they say yes, good. And if not, then again, little asterisks. Let's we'll talk about how what these are worth. So I figure out where the common ground is. What do we agree on? Um, and sometimes they will agree on a lot of the valuations, and sometimes they won't. Uh, and if they don't agree on the valuation, sometimes they already have an agreement, or it's easy for them to agree on how to get these things valued. Okay. And so that's the next step. Uh, now. So some of the values are going to be easily definable. Right. Right. So I've got an RRSP. Here's a current it's, bank statement. It's not an opinion. It's, yeah. it's a, it's a, you know, it's a definable value. Yeah. And so um, when clients are doing this in person, a lot of the time they'll bring physical records. What I found is the zoom stuff so much better that clients, Oh yeah, I have that statement on my computer. Uh, they can pull it up and they can show them. This is how you share your screen. Let's see it. Uh, there's no secrets in mediation. Let's see it. And they can show you, oh yeah, here's the value of these certain things as of today or last week or whatever. Um, so that's, that's easy. an interesting question, right? Oh, go ahead, sure. So what, what's the day? Right, yeah, yeah. So sometimes people won't agree on um, valuation because they say, oh, well, it shouldn't be valued as today. We should value it as of a certain other date. Um, and sometimes that'll be an issue. Of course, and then sometimes we'll find an issue that uh, somebody doesn't have, like you say, a defined value, a certain value necessarily. Uh, you know, a house, a pension, um, you know, life insurance policies, things like that. Sometimes can pose problems to figure out well, what is the value. So if if there's a disagreement, well, maybe I, I'm going to go back a little bit because I like to impose on the parties the obligation to give me a date. Oh, okay. I don't really want statements running from eight months ago to three months from now, because I find later that becomes the fodder of yet another disagreement. Particularly right. lately, we saw investment portfolios dump brutally following COVID oh, yeah. and then bump up again. And, and, and I think it's important. And so one of the things that I'll do when we're talking about the valuation is say, what data are we going to use? Right. And, and, and it doesn't really matter yeah. as, long as, as, as long as they say, well, you know. And maybe either. it's because I'm a little more junior than you are. And I'm trying to be strictly follow these mediation training I got, but, but I won't address the issue of date. I will address the issue as a valuation issue. 
So someone will pose a value and say, yeah, I think this is worth X. And here's a statement from three months ago, or here's a statement from when we separated, or here's a statement from today. Uh, and, I'll, and, we'll, and then we'll put it in. And then we'll ask the different, would you agree? And they say, no, I don't agree. Okay, well, that's fine. We'll talk about that. But I don't want to, I don't raise the issue. Uh, I leave it to them to raise that issue. Yeah, see, my concern is I've seen people do that, yeah. and then it later you bump your head against a wall because yeah. one partner goes, you know what? I didn't even argue because you gave me an RSP that was a year old. Right. Right. And now you're being a dick about the cuckoo clock that my grandmother gave me. Right. And I know that RSP went up in value. I'd rather nip that in the bud and say, okay, we're going to get some statements on the, on the pension or the bank statement or the RSP. Um, things that particularly things have a defined date in time, right? Let's agree on what the number is or what the date is. And, and it could be whatever you want to agree, really. But the fallback is what I'll suggest is the fallback is the first of the month preceding the day we're meeting. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you want to agree that it was the date of separation, which was 10 months ago, that's fine. Or maybe it's the date of separation, except we were sharing all our bills and I was paying for half the mortgage even after the separation, but we finally stopped sharing bills three months after the separation, which was September 1st, 2019. Yeah. So that's the date I'd like to use. Well, what do you think? So I, I would like the parties to, before they bring the bank statements, yeah. to come to some common ground and what date do they want to use? Okay. Okay. Because I think that will diffuse the potential future argument right. about bank statements that are not on the same day. Yeah. Um, that's just me. Yeah, yeah, no, that's I, good. I, I haven't run into that issue now. I've, I've only been a mediator for, uh, I don't know, a couple of years. Uh, and my mediation practice has really only taken off the way that it has until this COVID crisis hit. And, now and, and, and the reality is I've, I've never had a problem with the date. Yeah. People are pretty good, right? Yeah. People are pretty good as well. You know, why don't we use, we're talking right now. Why don't we use August 1st? I got my bank statements. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. Great. Right. Yeah. Write that down. August 1st valuation date for RSPs and all the other bullshit. Yeah. Um, so, so now we're, we've, you've said, well, let's talk about what we have in common about values. Mm -hmm. um, so people are both together though. Um, do you think the way that we dealt with identifying the assets might be a good way to approach value? Have one person go through the whole list first. Yeah, why don't you start with what you think these things are worth where they don't have a defined value? Yeah. And then we can go to the other person. And again, a disagreement's fine, but we can identify where we have disagreement or not. I think that's a fine way to do it. I have found sometimes, or a lot of the time I found, uh, it's a it's a bit of a waste of time because they've already agreed to a certain valuation of certain things and they've already talked about it. And I also really get I push people coming in for mediation to have a consult with the lawyer first. And usually that lawyer is going to prompt them, yeah, get some disclosure to each other before the mediation if you can make most of the mediation. So I do find okay. a lot of the time we've got some common ground. But uh, but yeah, that's a fine way. Yeah, sure, go ahead, make your list of, uh, of assets and then make your list of, of what you think they're worth and then. Yeah, have each person kind of get some input, it's fine too, yeah. So, but one way or another, what we want, what we're really looking for is an agreement as to what we agree. Yeah. And an agreement as to what we don't agree on. Exactly. That's our next agreement. 
Yeah. Right. And again, it sounds stupid, but arriving at and narrowing what things are that we don't agree on is very helpful. Yeah. Even during the mediations, I'll look at them and I'll say, you know, okay, we've reached a point now where we know where the disagreements are. This is huge. You guys are doing fantastic. We are making such headway. This yeah. can take months or years if you're paying lawyers to fight each other about stuff. Uh, so kudos to that. And I, and I, that's a good point to make. And I do make it yeah. up. Yeah. And I think, it, and I think what it allows us to do, and, and I'm sure you say this, and I've said this many times, it allows the parties to focus on attacking the issue, not the people. Right. Exactly. The problem is not you. The problem is the that valuation of, of the house. Exactly. The value of the house of the day we got married, like whatever it is, that's the problem. Yeah. Right? The problem is not that you're an asshole. We, we got to find a way to deal with this bastard problem on the wall. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we're going to run through the values. Some of them, a lot of the things people often agree on, um, where they don't, we just note that for the time being say, okay, well, we'll talk about what we're going to do about that. Um, now, I don't know if we want to get into this too much, but maybe we should. What about things like exemptions? Yeah, so that's why I like clients to go and meet with their lawyer before they do my mediations. Uh, so they have an idea as to really uh, what they actually want. It's hard to know what you want if you don't know what your legal rights are or what you're going to be giving up. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, uh, people will say, look, I don't think I should share my inheritance with you. I have nothing to do with you. Or they'll say, uh, I had this all before the marriage. Uh, I don't want to share that with you. And so those are some pretty common things that we say, yeah, maybe you're not, maybe, maybe you shouldn't share that equally. And um, that's what lawyers love to get into. We've talked about that in our show before, what exemptions are and how they work. So, uh, so yeah, that's something that comes up and something that we deal with. And I do find most of the time people are pretty receptive to that. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot of dispute about at least assets that existed before the relationship. Uh, people don't usually say, no, no, that why should get happen. Uh, but sometimes they'll say there's other factors that maybe lean towards me getting uh, half or something. So yeah, it is a tough one. Uh, so that might be one of the things that we have an asterisk on. So when people are saying, I don't think we should divide that asset. One of the reasons might be because I inherited that or that was given to me by my, by my parent or right. I had that before we got married. Um, so when people bring uh, it up, I'll ask questions and that's a good way to help resolve it. Let's shed some light on this stuff. And one question will be, why do, you, why do you think that you shouldn't have to share some of the assets you had from before the marriage or inheritance or total injury settlements or whatever? And a lot of times they'll say, oh, because my lawyer says I shouldn't have to. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's talk about that. And sometimes it's a matter of the other person either trusts that that's the case or they don't trust and they need to go and talk to their own lawyer about that. Um, you know, but for the purposes of what we're doing today, I think that it's fine for us to provide the advice that these exemptions exist. And generally speaking, I've covered the categories uh, that you're not gonna necessarily get half of those values, uh, at least as of the date of the marriage or the date they received the gift from their parents or the inheritance or whatever. Uh, now you, you might get uh, a share of the growth of that during the relationship. 
So I think for the purposes of what we're doing today, I think it's good for people to know uh, what that's going to look like. So one of the things that the, the people may want to do, they may not want the lawyer doing the negotiation because we're ridiculously expensive, um, but they might want to see a lawyer to get an understanding of what is shareable and what may not be shareable. Yeah. Or they might want to go online in, in, in the jurisdiction that they're in, in Alberta, if you're in Alberta, and understand about exemptions. Get a sense of, are there things I shouldn't have to share? And presumably, once you then go through your list, those are going to be things with asterisks <clears throat> we talked about. Yeah. Um, now, okay, so now we've got the list, we've got the values, we've got some asterisks, some things that may or may not be shareable. Um, what do we do with, we disagree on how much, you know, the cabin in Whitefish is worth. Okay, so when there's disagreements about the values, uh, that's when I, at this point is usually the point where I say, well, we're gonna take a break pretty soon, hey. So let's think about how we wanna resolve these issues. And then you guys are gonna go and do some homework to get those things resolved. And usually it just means we need more information. It's not that we need to sit here and argue about it. Uh, we maybe just need some more information. So if you want to talk about a cabin and whitefish, you got some options. Um, you could both put a number forward. You could, if we don't agree, okay, fine. We could get, uh, you could each get a real estate, uh, a realtor to, to give you an opinion as to what they think they could sell it for. Um, if they don't agree, we get a third one. We could split down the middle. We could, so I generate some ideas about this. We could get an appraisal done. Uh, we could just look at similar properties that have sold. Let's, you know, let's see if we can get some information more. Uh, You're talking about what we talk about mediation is brainstorming. Yeah, exactly. Generating right. options, brainstorming, exactly. So let's put everything else aside now and focus on the issues, yeah. maybe chronologically or whatever seems best. Yeah. The problem is we can't agree on the value of the, the whitefish place, the cabin figuratively put that on the board, that is our common enemy. Yeah. Indeterminate issue of value. And then you can go back to these people and if they're talking to each other, so what do we want to do? Do we want to pick a number in the middle? It can be that arbitrary. Could be. Could it could be, um, well, what do you think? What are some options, right? And there's no such thing as a stupid option, right? Just put it Why up. Why don't we just ask my cousin Bob and he can tell us what he thinks it's worth because he right. just bought a place down there. Okay, well, I don't know if I'll agree to that, but that's an option, sure. Um, what else? Um, we could use a Ouija board. Okay, another bad option, but uh, that's an option. What else? Um, we could hire an appraiser, a formal property appraiser. Okay, that's an option. How much is it gonna cost? I don't know, neither do I. We'll find out. That's an option. Okay, yeah. what else could we do? So get two realtors to give us an opinion of value for probably cheaper, maybe nothing. Um, and then we could take an average. Okay. So you could generate the options and, and, and they're all fine. Yeah. And then you say, of all the options we have here, what seems to make most sense to you? Um, well, I like the idea of getting two realtors and taking an average. Okay. Yeah, that seems to make sense. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Or I, I want to get an appraisal. Okay, do you want to pay for that? Well, I think we should share the cost. I don't feel like spending any more money. Well, why don't we find out what it's going to cost us? Yeah. 
maybe it's not that big an issue. And you know what, even that little problem can be resolved, right? Uh, oftentimes I'll say there's, op there's options about who pays for it, right? Uh, and we can stay to the end and talk about that. We could uh, split it 50-50 right now. We could split it 30-70 or 20-80, depending on what your incomes are. We can do it proportionate according to your incomes. We can say, look, you both proposed a number. Uh, how about whoever's closest doesn't pay for it? Uh, whoever's farthest has to pay for it. Yeah. You know, something like that. So, and the people are pretty receptive to, okay, well, those are the options. What are you going to do? Let's pick some. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think as people throw options out there, some of them will become apparent as not viable. Right. Um, and some will become more, more attractive, depending, right? And sometimes it's, it doesn't really matter because I can't afford to buy you out of the Whitefish place. And so why don't we just sell it and whatever we get is what we get. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then how do we pick a realtor? Sure. Generate some options. Okay. Um, so I think the point is you identify the issue and then you discuss what your potential responses to that issue are. And then you pick the one that the two of you can agree on. Yeah. And, there, and there almost invariably is going to be one that the two of you agree on. Yeah. Because if you don't end up with an agreement, you get to come see me. And again, I will take your money. I don't mind. I'm not proud. <laughs> but if you'd rather not, arguing over whether we hire someone to appraise or you get two realtors um, or, you know, you go on realtor.com or something yeah. to work together to agree on values is preferable probably to paying two lawyers $500 an hour yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. And then the same kind of strategy goes with, well, you know, I don't want to share this portion of this or that portion of that or any of this, uh, you know, we generate some options about that, talk about why, uh, and usually in kind of in the same fashion, we can narrow that down. Okay. Um, so then what? So they got all the things, they got all the values and they figured out how they're going to come to an agreement on those values. Um, what that then we talk about, well, how do we want to divide these things? Uh, a, who wants to keep what? And uh, B, how much entitlement uh, does the other person have? And most of the time, the default is people will say, oh, yeah, if it was accumulated during the relationship, we'll share it. Uh, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes they'll say, yeah, you know what? Uh, I spent every weekend and evening uh, renovating this place in my own labor. Uh, with materials given to me from my brothers, so I, you know, I don't think she should get fifty percent, but I'm happy to share forty-five or forty or whatever. And so sometimes that will be an issue. Would be well, how how are we going to divide these? Who wants to keep what, and uh, what's what what amount of it shareable? Now the thing we haven't talked about, which is usually easy to define, but are the debts. So they don't just need to identify the assets, they're gonna to have to identify the liabilities, yeah. the debt obligations. And in the same way, we acknowledge what they are, we define them by amount, and then later we can talk about um, whether it's shared or not, exactly. and how that's best attended to. Yeah, we're oversimplifying by saying there's only assets, there's debts often, most of the time, almost always as well. And I do that, I do it in the same stages. You know, let's identify what they are. And a lot of the time, the debt will be associated with uh, an asset, right? It'll be a mortgage on a house, a loan on a car. Uh, and sometimes it's not, sometimes it's just a, 
credit card or that was for living expenses or whatever. But yeah, we identify all of those. Yeah, absolutely. Now, some of the people are going to watch this may not have a lawyer, uh, may not want to hire a lawyer, but it's not uncommon in my experience to have someone say something like, uh, I mean, 90% of the income, I should get at least 90% of the assets. So if they're discussing between the two of them, would you give them some advice as to that perspective? I would not, uh, which is funny. I mean, I, in a mediation, I wouldn't give advice. In this setting, I'd love to give some advice. Uh, I would always ask in a mediation, the other party, how do you feel about that? Uh, what, what do you feel you contributed during the relationship? It actually brings one file to mind in particular for me where this was the exact issue. It wasn't, it was a little while ago, not too long ago. And uh, of course, the other party who didn't make 90% of the income, who made 10% of the income says, holy cow, I raised your kids, I cleaned your house, I kept the books for your company, you know, whatever, right? Uh, and so where's my share of that? Where's the value? Oh, okay, okay, I'll give you 20%. You greedy bitch. Are you happy? Yeah, how do you feel about 20? Do you feel like that's fair? And uh, she goes, and, then, and you're in mediation and she goes, well, all right. And so I'll go back sometimes. Yeah, so I'll ignore that a little. <laughs> I'll go back a little bit to the thing we talked about and say, well, let's not focus about the past as much, okay? So I'm hearing from both of you, you both contributed during the relationship, one of you more financially, the other in other ways. What about going forward? What do your lives look like going forward? What do you need? What's that going to be? And at that point, that's a good way to be able to overcome that and look at what do you actually need? Uh, what's your, your life going to look like compared to your life going forward? Uh, and so maybe a 20% share isn't quite enough. Maybe you do need 40 or 50% or something to keep some sort so of life. You're, you're a little more along the lines of the traditional, traditional. strict interest-based negotiation. Right. I'm a little more aggressive about that. I'll well, say to people, look, I'm not your lawyer, but you need to engage in either a lawyer or do some research on what your entitlements are. Um, because there's a pretty strong presumption of equal distribution. So we come to an agreement based on a 90, 10 or an 80, 20 split. That agreement's not likely to hold up one way or another. Yeah, I know you don't want to hear this, mister. Usually it's mister with a predominant income. But a crappy agreement that's unenforceable and that, you know, no lawyer is going to give an ILA independent legal advice on. It's not going to help him. For our purposes, you know, we're speaking to people who are trying to negotiate their own deal. The Matrimonial Property Act in Alberta, which now is the Family Family Property Act, um, uh, it sort of applies to marital and, and non-marital relationships. Um, the presumption of equal distribution of assets acquired during the relationship is almost inviolate. Yeah. Now there are considerations yeah. where the court will consider something other than equal, but they are few and far between in my experience. Right. If someone was a coke addict and they gambled away or snorted away $500,000 and all that was left was a house, there's a good chance they're not getting half the house. But right. absent something that blatant, you're probably going to share things equally is, is my advice to people trying to work things out themselves subject to these exemptions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and the exemptions are the value at the date you came into the marriage. If you can trace that to something you have today, the value at that date, you don't have to share. Yeah. 
the value the day you inherit something from another party or a gift from another party, that you don't have to share. And the value of funds received from a settlement or, or an injury claim not related to loss of property, that doesn't need to be shared. So it falls in one of those categories that you can kind of take off the top. Yeah. Everything else for the most part is going to be shared equally. Yep. And that includes yeah. increased value. Now increased value is not presumptively shared equally, but it's close. Yeah. And the courts are getting closer to that all the time. That's right. Yeah. So um, don't spend too much time and it's okay to, to have some debate about, well, I came into the marriage with a quarter section of land. I still have that quarter section of land. I don't think I should share that equally. There is some room there for discussion based on relative contribution. Right. But certainly assets you've acquired while you've been together, you should probably accede to that's going to be shared. And certainly not worth paying us to fight about the percentage that wouldn't yeah. be shared if we're talking 5%, yeah. 7%, whatever. Now, if you feel strongly about it and you want to, again, give me some money, I will Find take out. it. <laughs> Tyler will take your money. Um, but you better have a really good argument. And the fact that your incomes were disparate is not a very good argument because the courts understand relationships as complex um, situations yeah. where everybody's contributing differently and it's not always financial. And so the presumption of equal distribution is significant. Yeah. Um, and so getting through all these things, really people should be almost in a position now to go, okay, well, I'm going to take this and you'll take that. We'll sell these things. Um, they probably have themselves an agreement pretty much. Is, is there anything else that people need to go through? No, I mean, sometimes you have to think a little bit about tax consequences of things. Okay, so, fair enough. That's a good so, point. You know, you might, by the time you get to the end, you might think about if you're selling that cabin in Montana, uh, maybe there's going to be some tax consequences and how's that going to affect things. And especially if it's tied to another issue, like we're going to deal with some spouses for or something, you might want to consider that. Uh, and so if you have some questions and you need more knowledge about that, because most of the time the problems are resolved by just getting a little more information and knowledge. Uh, you know, it's a worthwhile investment to go uh, get that opinion, maybe talk to somebody who's got some experience in the area and uh, yeah, and figure out if there's going to be some tax issues and some of that stuff. Yeah, the taxes that typically arise, um, uh, taxable assets, RSPs are a big one Yeah. for average everyday people. Right. I've got fifty thousand dollars in RSPs. Well, if I cash that out, I'm going to pay today maybe forty five percent tax, um, but I'm probably not going to retire for several years. So we often will use notional tax deduction somewhere between twenty two and twenty five percent. Yeah. Um, but it's just worthwhile to know that's a pre tax asset, which is different than a post tax asset. So a hundred thousand dollars in a bank account, free and clear, is not the same value as a hundred thousand dollar RSP. Right. Um, there are some issues about uh, value of land where there's going to be capital gains. Although both with RSPs and land, you can usually move those between spouses tax-free. Right. But if you need to sell something um, or you need to cash in RSPs, you're going to want to understand the tax. And you're going to want to talk to a lawyer and or an accountant about some tax issues. Exactly. Um, those are the two areas the tax most commonly arises. Um, 
you should know uh, that if you want to move assets between you by what's called spousal rollover under the Income Tax Act, tax-free, you can't do that after you're divorced. So don't go get a do-it-yourself divorce until you've divided all your assets. Yes. Yeah. Because otherwise you could end up being stuck with having to cash in a significant amount of RSPs instead of just transferring it to your spouse or something like that, or moving a taxable asset or revenue property or something exactly. on, on a fair market value basis with capital gains versus uh, cost, no capital gains until somewhere down the road. Yeah. So uh, you get your deal in Alberta to have a binding contract that is not subject to challenge down the road. Uh, it has to be executed with a certificate of independent legal advice under the Matrimonial Property Act, acknowledging that you are aware of the provisions of the act that prevent you from challenging it later. So you're gonna have to see a lawyer eventually to have a binding agreement. But if you've already got the agreement worked out, it's much, much cheaper than having lawyers negotiate. Oh yeah. Uh, and that lawyer will also advise them if there's some tax issues you haven't brought to mind. Yeah, that's a good ba balance and check at the end where you're each going to go get your legal advice from your lawyers who will sign the agreement with you, sign that certificate, um, uh, the Family Property Act. Yeah that's, yeah, that's a good ending to it. Yeah. So, um, what we're going to do is all the stuff we've been talking about, and I've made some notes because Tyler's had some good ideas that I hadn't thought about. Um, uh, I'm going to put a bit of a cheat sheet or an instruction sheet uh, on our website and I'll link that to YouTube so that if people want to have something in hand when they sit down with their uh, partner or spouse, uh, they can have something from us free of charge. Grab us. Sweet deal. Perfect. We're just giving it away. Good. Yeah. Why not? There you go. Oh, um, we are drinking straight lock cocktails today. Mine is so good it's gone. Well, it's almost gone. Yeah. Because I've been doing too much of the talking, like usual. Yeah, I'm drinking. I don't know what to say while you're drinking. There we go. There you go. So um, that concludes today. Again, if you have questions, go on YouTube, leave a comment, we read them. Um, send an email to Tyler or myself, and we'd be happy to answer them. And uh, otherwise, Tyler, have a good weekend. Same to you, same to everybody else. We'll do. We're going camping on Sunday for a couple of days. Oh, enjoy. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's not much you can do during these COVID days, but getting out onto mountain lakes is something that we're blessed in this part of the world. There you go. So see you next week, everyone. Sounds good. See you guys.